Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2020, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super pumped about today's guest. We have Dr. Nancy Lee, and today we are talking about her new book, Don't Sleep With Him Yet. A Badass Guide to Dating and 10 Empowering Steps. I love this episode because we get into the research behind your brain on love and your brain on sex. It is quite fascinating. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm so excited to have Dr. Nancy Lee here. Dr. Lee, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's what a pleasure. I'm so excited to talk about your new book, Don't Sleep With Him Yet. That yet is really important. So tell us about this book and how you curated the idea to really share these teachings. So in my practice, I was seeing so many women who were, who were struggling with dating and sex culture. On the one hand, there'd be women who were sleeping with a guy right away, and then the expectation was that they'd be in a relationship, or there would be, you know, right off the bat, there'd be a really intense relationship, and that wasn't happening for them. There were also, there was, there was also actually what I call virgin shaming. Um, so a woman maybe I'm not necessarily a virgin, but she didn't want to sleep with a guy off the bat or even after six months of with somebody she was dating, she just wasn't comfortable. So there'd be a lot of intimidation, not even necessarily on the part of her partner, but just on her girlfriends, you know, might be, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't slept together yet. So on the one hand, that was going on. Then I also counsel some very young women and I'm talking about high school and beyond who were, oh, I'm hooking up with this guy and it really is just, oh, he's so cute. And I, it's it's like maybe first year college, it just is all about sex. They'd come into my office a week later in tears because the guy didn't text them. I mean, honestly, Aaron, sometimes I would have women sitting in my office, lo like looking, they'd be doing a session and they'd be talking about the op opposite of mindfulness. They'd be checking their phones to see if a text came. So I just, you know, I found myself just talking about sex and commitment and intimacy and attraction and uh, oh, attachment all the time. And I thought, you know what, I really should write a book. So the seeds were planted. Then just something about me personally and my passions. From the age of maybe eight or nine, I was that girl, a little bit odd, who would buy if I would I would get my older sister to buy Cosmopolitan magazine then I would bring it home and my mom just like hated the magazine so I would hide it under the under my bed you know the way like some guys hid Playboy this was me with Cosmopolitan so I've always had this interest in romance and relationships and all of that so hence the book Beautiful. And I absolutely agree, especially all the clients I see as well. It's this, this dance. Like, when do we 
become more intimate? When do I step back in this lack of really intuition? So can you tell us some of the practices that you speak about in your book that women can start using immediately? Okay, really great question. Trusting yourself and your instincts. So as women, it's really interesting. We have a lot of neural substrates. We have a lot of neurons. It's tapped in the area of our brains for emotional decision-making and reading emotions. But the ironic thing about that is we use it to overanalyze ourselves. So we have a lot of self-doubt. We don't trust our intuitions. Compared to men, men are very black, black and white. We have way more, we're way more packed there, which is great when we're writing an essay or a novel or an analyzing a legal brief but not so much when we start doubting and second guessing ourselves. You will know if you're dating somebody or even just with someone, honestly, you will know when you want to become physically intimate. Um, the ironic thing about the book is people ask me, well, when should we? And actually, I, the book is all about throwing out the shoulds and throwing out the whole section and, in there where I just debunk all the rules. You know, there's a three date rule and there's a three month rule and I debunk all of that. And I talk about following the rule of your heart and your head. With that, I include some guidelines when somebody is really confused. So for example, if somebody just wants to hook up with somebody and it really is all about sex, make sure it's your decision and you're not being pressured into it. And also make sure especially if you're really young, you're not doing this for people pleasing or so that a guy likes you. So that's at one extreme. At another, or even, even if you're, even if you're say a woman and you're divorced and maybe you've been in a sexless marriage for a decade and you're divorced and you just want to sleep with a man for that intimacy and that, that, that connection and that feeling I'll talk about just make sure you're respected. You choose somebody where you're not going to feel like resentful afterwards. Um, on the other end, if you're somebody who really wants a full-on commitment, then I have guidelines in terms of make sure that you're choosing a partner who shows empathy and has shown some compassion for you because that's those attributes are going to be best in a long-term partner. So that's And that's, by the way, Erin, that's only one chapter. I mean, it's interesting. We were chatting a little bit before we went on camera and you have a background in clinical psychology. The book is packed with psychology that, and, and yes, definitely intimacy, relationships, attraction, but there's, there's a lot in there that's just applicable to just life in general. I love what you said about this connection. Listen to your heart and listen to your head. And Absolutely. With many of my clients, it's this mindfulness practice to really dive a little bit deeper. But I'm wondering from a clinical standpoint, when we talk about this connection, listening to the heart, listening to the head, how can we really understand or, or communicate with these sacred parts of ourselves? And I'm glad you asked that. So there's a chapter in the book where I, it's actually called Confidence, Optimism, Mindfulness, and Enthusiasm are Sexy. It's called Attitude Twerking. And when I talk- I love that. Right? So, and when I talk about mindfulness, I basically 
explain that we don't just wake up one day mindful, especially you're in Chicago, I'm in LA. We are not mindfulness cities. Now, we're, we're laughing somewhere else in the country or in the world where the mindful practices are more integral to the culture. That isn't the case. But for most of us, we really have to practice mindfulness so and learn it. So it's about practicing 10 minutes of meditation a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Meditation, by the way, can be anything. Meditation can even be getting into the zone with exercise, or it can be just, just having yourself breathe or listening to your heartbeat. It can be prayer. Um, it can be focusing on something just thoughtful in, in for those 10 minutes. 10 minutes is a really long time, by the way, when in my practice, I have people work up to 10 minutes. We typically start with be, about between one and three minutes, but it's really, it's a skill like anything else. Once people start practicing mindfulness in their daily life, they can basically apply that to any aspect of their life whether it's dating or whether it's making a relationship, I, I, I'm sorry, whether it's making a decision about work um, or just, it's, it's, it's really powerful. Absolutely. And this powerful connection is needed daily, which is why mindfulness is such a huge conversation. Right. And it also, a, a benefit is just by this being attuned to oneself, you start trusting yourself more and not basically just second guessing your own decisions or not being able to make a decision, being indecisive and asking 10 best friends, should I do this? Should I do that? You know what to do. You don't have to, you know, it's, it's fine to check it out, but you really know, you really know what you want or what you don't want. I absolutely agree. I talk to my friends and my clients about this all the time. I have, I have a belief in which, um, and I talked about this on an earlier podcast, where you're never really going to say the wrong thing um, to the person that you're supposed to be with. It's like the person that you want to be with. So I, I have one friend who and I have one client who was waiting a very long time to get intimate with one partner only to realize that this partner really wasn't like the right person for them. And then the next relationship, the intimacy wasn't even stressful or a question because it was exactly. so natural and intuitive. Exactly. And that's, that's, it's interesting you brought that up because I have like a, an explanation and a chart of guidelines again for when you're confused. And one of the ones in there is, at some point in a relationship that's going really well, it just feels right. You just know, like, you know that I want to do this and it just feels right. And, and there's a lot about, I think, trusting somebody and trusting yourself and trusting somebody else in there. So and really I'm, when you, I was, go on. So I'm really interested in this conversation around like virgin shaming and, this sacredness around sex. What do you typically say to your clients about that? If somebody, you know, if somebody has a standard, a self-standard or their value is that they not necessarily are 
quote unquote, this sounds so archaic, saving myself from marriage. I don't like that phrase because it sounds like we're in the 18th century. But if somebody is, you know, whether it's a religious value or just a self-imposed value where they don't want to sleep with somebody until they're married, that's their prerogative. And they should not let anybody shame them into believing that they're weird or that's, you know, or that, or that's not right or whatever. It's just, it's the same way as somebody who wants to hook up with somebody immediately wants to sleep with somebody, you know, on the first night should not be shamed either. I mean, really feminism is all about choice. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are men. I think that's where not to not to take this conversation in a different way, but this is interesting. We're not wired like men. We're different. Our brains are different. Our bodies are different. Our choices can be the same. But our again, that doesn't mean well, I'm I'm segueing into something entirely different. But to answer your question, a woman should not be shamed whatever her choices are. Those are personal, and who's to judge anybody else anyway? It's it's really be true, be authentic, be true to yourself. With that said, know what you're getting into both ways. And I, I've said two extremes. I love the research behind the brain in love and the brain in climax and, and just yes. how the feel good hormones and the dopamine. Oh, I love it too. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay. So when we're, and I, and I love this, this, this dates back to the cause of this dates back to the Cosmo without the science behind it. But then I spent, by the way, the book took me six years to write because I did so much research on this and there's a hundred references in there. So at the first point, when we meet somebody, and this is really kind of fun, and I'm getting excited just talking about it, but when we meet somebody that we're really into of the opposite sex, and this is the same for men and women, there's a neurotransmitter, and it's abbreviated capital P, capital E, capital A, like the vegetable P. It stands for phenylethylamine. And this gets released in our brains, and it's what makes us feel the butterflies. And when we're not with that person, all we can do is think about that person. We can't wait to see them. It's almost like an addiction. Now, what's really interesting when this is happening is something called serotonin drops and serotonin keeps us calm. So the fact that it is dropping in our brain makes us, this is when you're around a girlfriend and all she can do is talk about this guy that she just met and is really exciting. And she seems really See how quickly I'm talking? Really jittery and really, really, really hyper and really excited, almost like she's on a drug, because this is what that phenylethylamine does. It drops our serotonin, which normally would keep us calm. Okay, so so that's dropped, but this euphoric feeling is going on. So it is really similar to a drug with, without the, obviously without, can we, can we say dating abuse, without the substance abuse. It's a really great euphoric feeling. Now, interestingly enough, it lasts for about two years in a relationship, which incidentally is nature's way of quote unquote ensuring a pregnancy because it, it, you know, depending on what part of the world we're in, it's, it's about an average two years to get pregnant. So this is kind of a very natural, this is a very interesting 
I think, evolutionary psychology kind of thing that happens too. Now, flash, you know, flash forward when we're physically intimate with somebody, and this, by the way, includes a 20-second hug, which is also kind of interesting. So time, well, no one's hugging anymore. Oh my God, <laughs> because of another discussion altogether. But um, if this, you're not going to get this from bumping elbows. But anything from anything from a 20-second hug to full-on intercourse, something called oxytocin is released, and that's a, that's a hormonal neurotransmitter that gives us a sense of closeness to some to somebody. It's very it's very comforting. Um, so, and that is nature's way of keeping us attached for pair bonding, so that we'll we'll pair bond. That also is part of the reason why a breakup or a divorce can be so difficult, even if like it's even if we're with an abuser and we break up, our oxytocin our oxytocin starts depleting and we feel like a loss of that comfort and security. So again, so again, that's that's a simplified version, but those those are some of the highlights of the neuroscience. It's a withdrawal. Exactly. 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 We're breaking up with somebody we've been in a relationship for for four years or even four months. And this it's oxytocin is wonderful. It's 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 secure. If we feel secure. We feel in our brain, in our body. We feel wonderful. and We can't understand sometimes why it's so painful when we're breaking up with someone. There's other there's there's another actually another reason which it, which why a breakup and again i'm segueing in a little different direction so just keep me rein me in <laughs> because i can we can be here in the next five hours i, I love this stuff um, but so at university of michigan there's a so, social psycho, psychologist by the name of ethan cross who found that when we experience a loss so this can be a breakup it can be a death of somebody close to us it can be losing our dog, okay, anything that is really, really painful, that is processed in exactly the same part of the brain as if we were to burn our hands with a scalding cup of coffee. So that, and that really is phenomenal because that doesn't apply to any other emotions like anger or jealousy or, you know, really intense, strong emotions, but it does apply to the emotional pain from loss. So that's another reason why, um, again, you counsel women, I counsel women, you definitely counsel women experiencing breakups and you hear all the time, oh my God, I can't, it's, it's six months and I'm not over him. So that's, that's partly your brain doing that. That is so fascinating. That's phenomenal research. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it, it's again, like I said, the book has a lot in there that applies to everybody. I mean, honestly, who, who has not, I mean, part of being human is experiencing a loss at some point in your life. Absolutely. Or, or, you know, or that chapter about shoring up your confidence and optimism, all of that, like that applies to everybody as, as well. So it's, it's, even though the book is quote unquote, technically for single women, there's, there's, things in there that are just absolutely universal. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Dr. Lee, if you had advice for all the women in the world, what would that advice be? For everybody, define all women, 
define your own life. That said, if you do want a partner, look for a partner to enhance your life, not define your life. Define your own life. Make your own life wonderful. Get up every day. Find something to look forward to. And then if you want a partner, which you're absolutely entitled to, make that partner the icing on the cake of your life. Beautiful. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me. Of course. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Feel free to comment below what resonated with you in this podcast. As always with podcasts, we need high rating subscribers and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, rate us. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting again soon.